Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to The Ball Bags, a weekly podcast breaking down all the news from the United Rugby Championship, the NFL, the English Premier League, the NBA and the wide world of sport. Hello and thanks very much for tuning in to this week's episode of The Ball Bags Podcast, episode 7. Delighted to be joined by a familiar voice for those of you that tune into Huddles and Stout. It is Rocky. How are you, my fine sir? All good, Sasquatch. I say all good. I got the flu jab three weeks ago. And in that th- three-week span, I haven't felt more sick. Uh, so the anti-vaxxers are in danger of me throwing my lot in with them. Uh, things yeah, are were that bad. I'm not sure on the kind of segmentation of kind of our, what it, where our listeners stance is as it comes to vaccination but I'll, I'll keep them in the loop if there is any uh, feel free to reach out and we can send on Rocky's personal well, details well, if you want to invite yeah. him to a rally or a protest somewhere yeah um, obviously the Tash and Chief send their apologies I uh, can't be here tonight but we'll have them back in next week so we'll power through just the two of us but as we do typically to kick us off who's your player of the week and why well, listeners of Huddles and Start will know that we are susceptible to some extreme bias. So this week I've gone for AJ Brown. He's just been named the NFC Offensive Player of the Month. 40 catches, 700 yards, 5 touchdowns. And you, most NFL fans will know because it's been ringing around the mediascape that he's just surpassed Megatron's um five game consecutive 125 yards a game record plus um so he's just on a tear at the moment um yeah. as is Tyreek Hill but AJ Brown is just the last month or so is really clustered together in a, a dominant performance all time and to be fair we're looking at a potentially a hall of famer at work in his prime here yeah and that's supposed to be like in addition to that I suppose it's the second consecutive week uh, been nominated for the week. I brought him, brought my Philly bias with me last week, and nominated him. My recommendation for player of the week is Dion uh, Fury. Uh, Fury, sorry. So, for those of you who don't know, um, obviously the Ruby World Cup final was last Saturday. It, like, it, it was a bit of a, a clash for the ages, and um, maybe one for the purists. But Dion F- uh, Fury, at thirty-seven years of age, started on the bench after an injury, kind of in the first few minutes. He came on to play hooker, which isn't his position, and played the full game there. Like I, I wouldn't say he was the match winner, but the ability for him in the twilight stages of his career to stand up and be counted in the biggest stage in rugby union, I just thought he definitely deserved a mention. Um, so 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to put the argument forward that Dion Fury gets it this week because I feel like AJ Brown will get multiple if he keeps going the way he's going. Um, yeah, look, I don't have a problem because obviously Dion did it on the big game, the big stage. Um, mm. I again, you know, you you could absolutely and probably easily make a case for AJ Brown, but as you say. He's stringing these performances together. It's it's likely not going to be his last mention, um, but at the same time, yeah, Dion doing it on the big stages, it's something that has to be said for that. Fair. Um, that was easy. Um, now I suppose the main segment: agree, disagree, and look, keeping with the the theme of player of the week, it's going to be rugby and NFL. I think as we covered this, but. I'll uh, open it up with a nice, vague, kind of flexible answer. Our question, we'll yeah, see where thank you very, the answer takes. Thanks very much for that. So, <laughs> the 2003 Rugby World Cup has come and gone. Uh, we've talked about it a lot over the course of the season, naturally enough. It kind of kicked off with us. Um, it's nice of World Rugby to schedule the uh, World Cup around our podcast. But uh, I suppose, do we feel it has had the impact we hoped and there's a second part to the question which is is there any obvious improvements to future iterations um i i, I want to preface what i'm going to say off by saying it was a good championship and there were some you know games of all time in this this particularly if you maybe the quarterfinal between france and south africa uh, is is one of the highlights um not to mention there was a few of the ones even in the pool stages um fiji beating australia portugal beating fiji to see a nice third year team kind of performing um so a good championship all around but i think maybe for the casual viewer well it might have started off pretty strong maybe it tapered towards the end mm. um just a couple of a couple of pointers or or um perspectives is you know, we saw uh, a semi-final between Argentina and New Zealand. That was, you know, it, it wasn't a fair, it wasn't a very entertaining one. It wasn't very thrilling. It was sort of very lopsided. Um, and then maybe, you know, if it's a new viewer, probably would gone unnoticed. But for casual viewers as well, kind of a repeat champion. I don't know. Maybe, mm. maybe you know, you want to see a bit of the competitiveness. And one other thing I'd point out maybe is. Um, of the top six world seeded teams, five of them were in, across two different pools, so the mm. the sort of the the spread of competition was a little bit concentrated. Yeah, I suppose that was kind of one of the points I kind of had, um, and it's difficult to lobby this as an Irish fan because it does seem a bit sour grapesy, but yeah. potentially the draw for the World Cup shouldn't be done until maybe a year out i think it was done on basically standings three years ago um which resulted how you've said like england were up the top around then was kind of the first year or two of eddie jones um yeah i just feel and obviously we just gone from joe smith to the new andy farrell tenure so there's a bit of kind of change and minutia around that um that would be yeah one of my big takeaways is the quarterfinals were better than the semi-finals. 
and that, that should never really happen um, because albeit France and Africa probably was the game of the, of, the, of the World Cup I think Ireland New Zealand wasn't a million miles behind it as a neutral um, we're obviously not neutral so yeah, hard not to be biased there but yeah great game um, and on balance of play England probably made it to the semi-finals on the back of an easy quarter final which is against Fiji and they made it to that quarter final yeah just about pipping Samoa in the group stages so look fair play to them they played South Africa tight um, which stylistically has to be done I don't think it look I think we had kind of talked going into it it would capture the imagination it was kind of dubbed the TikTok World Cup but I don't think the PR side of things was handled fantastically just being hypercritical I think you look at say how the NBA latches on to shortening attention spans of the youth very much across our social media channels they are kind of on a nightly basis posting kind of the top 10 dunks in kind sure, of 30 yeah. second Instagram reel TikTok highlight packages they just draw in new fans and I think potentially World Rugby kind of missed a trick there um, especially with the sponsorship from TikTok which is kind of yeah I've bizarre I've certainly me. seen TikToks from uh, World Rugby but they're so few and far between they're those sponsored ads as well most people probably scroll by them but um, certainly their presence could have done with a you know an absolute you know just uh, absolute hyper inflate it and, and get it out there mm. and blazing it across every channel they have what they also did, which is kind of counterintuitive, is they kind of shut down a lot of people who were reposting footage that weren't like like a officiate, yeah. like official Fili- sponsors yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So, like those people are selling your product for you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. It kind of seems counterintuitive to shut it down, especially when largely the competition is being aired on terrestrial TV. So that to me just kind of didn't feel. It was the behaviour of a sport that's put behind the paywall. Yeah. When the alternative is to kind of open it out to the air. But look, I think overall it was a good World Cup. Probably an ultimately a disappointing one for, for the Irish fan. I don't feel it captured the attention of the global audience. And look, I think it could have been better. But look, it was enjoyable. I think it's fair, fair to say. Yeah. The second part of your question, any obvious improvements to future iterations? Um, probably worth touching on on the announced uh, changes that are going to be for the next World Cup. Um, the biggest one probably they're expanding from four pools mm. of five teams to six pools of four teams. So four extra teams um, and they're obviously increasing the number of pools and probably you know, putting more top-seeded pools across the uh, top seeded teams mm. in the world across the pools to hopefully having a bit of mm. a, a a fair distribution of competitiveness probably like again you're going to draw in more fans of the lower tier teams because they're going to have a greater chance of um, qualification to later rounds the top two teams from every pool as well as the four best third place teams will qualify mm-hmm my only fear with that is that you 
get more drubbings. So in the group stage, there's quite a few drubbings, as there always is. And I think you'll now get more drubbings in knockout stages, so the last 16. Yes. Um, I think it's inevitable that this would come, but yeah, look, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I, yeah, I think they kind of, you know, cite that this will promote competitiveness among the, the sort of the, you know, globally, among second and mm. beyond tier teams. We'll see how how much of an impact it has, but, you know, it's certainly worth an iteration of it, I think, just to see how mm. it, it pans out. Fair. Look, the timer did go, um, so I think we'll, we'll keep the same shape of ball, but we'll move maybe across the Atlantic Ocean. Let's, um, we'll touch on, I suppose, kind of a significant period in the NFL, the trade deadline. Uh, it's come and gone, and this year feels like there wasn't as much fanfare maybe as, as previous seasons. Uh, last year in particular was a bit of a a nuclear bomb of activity. Um, so has the fact that fewer teams are running away with it this year, a lot of the records seem to be pretty centralized, pretty nucleized. Um, so is the fact that no teams are running away with it, is that contributing to the teams, fewer teams willing to gut their their assets to sell off their pieces. Yeah. Um, or is it just one of those? Yeah. Or is it just a year where nothing happens? I think there's a few parts. One, it's a very competitive draft class potentially. So, I think we've had a few years where the talent was impacted in the latter stages of high school and the early stages of collegiate level by COVID. Whereas now, they've pretty much had a free run. So in terms of develop, you're getting more developed athletes. So there's a bigger reward for rebuilding now than there has been for the past few seasons. So the few sides that have maybe trucked away and now they see it as their opportunity to rebuild. The If you look at, say, just the NFC, for example... In terms of playoff places, you've got Philly, San Fran, Dallas, Detroit, Seattle. And then you're going to have the NFC South champion, whoever that is. And then the seventh spot is kind of going to be, at very least, a mediocre team. So it's probably going to be LA. Like, do you know what I mean? It's going to be a mediocre side. Yeah. Um, one thing I had written down for this point is that the um, the Panthers are one and six, and are probably considered by most the most dreadful team out there. But they're only three games behind the leader of that division. Yeah. Um. So as you say, it wouldn't be. It would be surprising, but not outrageous or impossible for somebody like the Panthers to sneak in. Um. Yeah. So you're going to have like that's the thing you're going to have the NFC South champion and the seventh side is going to be a poor side as well so you can have five teams in the yes. NFC the AFC is not much different um, so I think there's just you've got a you've actually got a, like a great bit of parity at the top in that you've got quite a few teams who seem like they're thereabouts but there just seems to be a massive drop between kind of maybe 
the top nine to ten teams in the NFL and the rest then. There doesn't seem to be a middle class at present. It seems to be kind of high, uh, upper class and lower class and that's what it kind of seems to be. So that's probably why... Yeah, just to add on to that as well, you say there's there's two classes. Um, I think each week as well we're seeing uh, risers and fallers from the two tiers. Um, like th- three, four weeks ago, we would have said San Francisco might be the best team in the NFL, and suddenly they've you know they've I won't say panic bought Chase Young at the deadline. Um, but certainly felt the need to improve because they they've just been on a three game skid. Um, at the same mm. with the Titans, or I should say, on the flip, the Titans they they traded away Kevin Byard. It kind of heralded them good and everything. Uh, but then Will Levis comes out, plays a great game, and and they're suddenly they're they're hanging on to their 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 pieces. Um, Derrick Henry and DeAndre Hopkins were slated for trade, but they stayed put. Yeah, I think I think a lot of teams just have so many different options, and as you said, we've a new Super Bowl favorite. It seems every week. Yeah. Um. So like, if Philly lose to Dallas, which they very well could, and still be quite comfortable, the Baltimore Ravens will probably be the Super Bowl favorites next week. And it just it keeps it seems as if every week we've had a new. Super Bowl favorite. Yeah, and and um, Jacksonville Jaguars, who've won I think four in a row. All of a sudden, people are are keying into them, and people are calling them the hottest team in football. There's a absolutely, and then huge amount of flux. Yeah, every every week we seem to have a new team, and it's it's almost as if the uh, the franchise have been led by the media. It's. As you said, obviously, Will Levis had one good game, an opening promising debut. It happens. But because that came before trade deadline on Tuesday, they've completely changed what was the stance of the organisation prior to Sunday. Yeah. I would have said on Saturday, good opportunity for Derek Henry to move on. As soon as Sunday happened, it was never going to happen then. It's, it's, it's bizarre how flimsy the organisations are as well as public opinion. And and maybe another um, point to look at as well, if you were to consider the Las Vegas Raiders, who are a dreadful team, seem to have no redeeming marks, but yet they neither brought any talent in nor sort of, you know, good at anything to, to recoup any value from players that won't be winning anything soon. But you saw the GM and head yes. coach just get... Um, canned fired as well as the offensive coordinator so it obviously looked as if the owner stepped in as he had lost all confidence for them to operate yeah yeah absolutely and look they're in a strange place because their star player is a want away um yeah. and I, I i understand his want away-ness it's not just how bad the organization is it's the fact that you traded him to play with a quarterback and you traded away that quarterback so I get all that. It's 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 interesting times, but look, November is just always a key month for the NFL. Like you obviously have the trade deadline, but then you also kind of it's the general perception that after Thanksgiving, it's when it gets really real. So a lot to keep an eye on. Yes, uh, just Stay before tight. we do move on, what is your favorite 
um, trade deadline, transfer window across all sports. The NBA, I think, is a pretty um, pretty explosive one at you times. See, yeah, and it generally varies. Um, I think the Premier League one used to be fantastic when it was on Sky Sports News and they'd go to the grounds. It just seems to have died a bit of a debt in recent years because they had to stop doing that because presenters were getting hit in the head with dildos and stuff like that. Um, it varies. The NBA actually sometimes can be more exciting when the trade window opens. Mm. So a lot of it, a lot of it can be working in the background. And the minute the trade, there was one year I think it was two thousand nineteen, where you just had so many domino pieces fall within the first seventy two hours. Um, so many sides playing. So it, I think it fluctuates. If I'm being honest, sure. And there's um, no yourself? no clear year to no. year. Sport to sport. Yeah. What a diplomatic answer. Yeah. Yeah. Man, the people. What about yourself, Rocky? What's your favorite trade deadline or transfer window? Um. Well, I do really subscribe to the NFL, and I love all of the uh, the the calendar dates, the draft, and uh, the deadline. So I, I probably would stick with the NFL if I'm being honest. But I am partial. I I be I keep a very casual eye on the NBA. So, but I. The trade deadline is always a time where I pay a bit of extra attention, as well as the yeah. L- the MLB deadline as well. It's I I almost prefer keeping an eye on personnel changes across the teams in the NBA and MLB than I do watching the two sports. But um, but it probably would be the NFL on top. Yeah, look, I suppose the the interesting thing with the NBA one is because there's so few stars, i.e., five. One trade can yes, completely yeah. transform an of entire organisation. Yeah. So. But yeah, look, um, we move on. And just to kind of segue us out to the end of the show, nice quick one for you this Friday morning. Must see TV this weekend. I'm going to enjoy both of these, but I'll let you go first. Well, again, there's probably no surprise. People would probably guess, but it is Dallas week in Philadelphia. It's uh, the Dallas Cowboys at the Philadelphia Eagles. So um, that's my selection. Sunday at 9.25. Be there. Or be square. Um, you look, it's a, it's a fixture. I certainly circle every year, regardless of how they're going. It's just one of those classic rivalries, even if I wasn't um, biased in my approach. Yeah, even for the neutral um, fans, just big implications in the NFC. Huge implications. Yeah. And look... If, for no reason alone, there will be memes out of this game. There's a guaranteed memes every post every Eagles Cowboys matchup. Um, I would have picked it had you not got there first, but my pick is again incredibly biased. Newcastle make the trip to the Emirates Saturday evening, five thirty Sky Sports main event, uh, and I just think where the two clubs are at present, uh, obviously both challenging in Europe and for Europe next season. It's a key matchup. So, yeah, with uh, Gunners, huh? Make sure you tune for that. Yeah. The Gunners and the Tunes. That's right. Um, yeah. So that's kind of this week's Much CTV. I, I do promise the listener we're going to have an episode shortly where there's not just two blokes. Um, it has been a bit kind of poor tendencies of late. But look, we're busy people and amateur podcasters. Incredibly amateur. You've no idea. 
you say that, but they don't, they only see what we put out. They don't see what we don't put out, if that makes sense. I see. Well, look, that's all from me. And that's all from me. Thank you. And good night. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.